please state the nature of the podcast emergency. Why, it's yours. You need a podcast guest for on screen and beyond. Fortunately, I'm the emergency holographic podcast guest, Robert Picardo from Star Trek. Stay tuned. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for hopping aboard for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is episode 571 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, Robert Picardo from The Wonder Years, Star Trek Voyager, uh, The Howling, all sorts of TV shows and movies, and he's Emmy-nominated, and he's going to be coming our way in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond, and uh, he's also got a special showing of The Howling coming up, and we're going to give you all the information on that coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond, so hope you'll stick around for that, and uh, Robert's a great guest, and he's a great guy, so... uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we want to remind you to check us out on Instagram and Twitter and, you know, all the podcast providers that are out there. We're on most of them. And uh, we appreciate you listening to On Screen and Beyond. And if you have a suggestion, you can send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Tell a friend about On Screen and Beyond. Let's get the word out. Let's get more people downloading episodes. The more people we have downloading, the more guests we can get because uh, the more they see that uh, people are listening to On Screen and Beyond, we can get uh, the people to come join us. So I hope you'll help us out on that and uh, be sure to, like I say, download as many as you can. And uh, we appreciate that. So we have to get ready because uh, the Halloween season is coming and uh, the howling is going to be shown in the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California. Now, if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, you hop on the barge, you go right to Orinda, get off the barge, walk over, I've done it many times, and you're right there at the classic, beautiful Orinda Theater, and Robert Picardo's going to be there, and he's, uh, you know, uh, he's going to be talking. Now, and I think uh, it's 10 bucks for the movie, and Robert's going to be talking, and it's just going to be so much fun. So get ready for that. We'll give you more information. It is time now for Remake Madness on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness, well, there's uh, not a whole lot of stuff going on right now because everything's sort of uh, on hiatus or waiting for things to clear up. But uh, the video game Uncharted is going to be remade into a big screen movie. Tom Holland will star as the adventurer Nathan Drake. And that comes your way on February 18th. 2022. And uh, we've mentioned this one before, but to get a little update on it, the remake of The Monsters from Rob Zombie will star Jeff Daniel Phillips as Herman Munster and uh, Sherry Moon Zombie as Lily and Dan Roebuck as Grandpa. And the film will be streaming on Peacock. And that's it for Remake Madness coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, well, Emily Blunt is in talks to co-star in the film Oppenheimer. 
It's uh, the up-and-coming Christopher Nolan film about the man who ran the Manhattan Project, which brought us the invention of the atomic bomb. And Wendy Malick of Hot in Cleveland fame will star in Melee, and it's in uh, coming our way in 2022. It's a film dealing with Alzheimer's. And the Russo brothers, Joe and Anthony, are currently working on a new action thriller called The Gray Man for Netflix, and it's reported as the most expensive original film from Netflix. And, of course, uh, one of the Russo brothers has been a guest here at On Screen and Beyond, so you can check that out. And uh, that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, sequels. Sequels, sequels, and more sequels. Well, it looks like Mel Gibson has joined the cast of the prequel of the Star's John Wick series, and it's called The Continental. The bad news is it's uh, only three episodes long. And Sing 2 will hit theaters on December 22nd, and there is already talks of a sequel to the new Dune remake. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond... We are going to sit back, take a look at what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, on November 2nd, the classic Honeymooners specials, A Christmas Carol, arrives on DVD with Jackie Gleason and Art Carney. And Saved by the Bell Season 1 on November 9th. And Mom Season 8, the final season, lands on DVD on November 2nd. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? Movies on DVD, Cry Macho with Clint Eastwood is due out on December 7th. And Never Back Down, Revolt, hits Blu-ray and DVD on November 16th. And The Comeback Trail comes to... DVD and Blu-ray on December 4th. And that's it for movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, well, Ozark returns finally on January 21st, 2022 for the final season on Netflix. And season four has, they're doing it kind of weird. It's uh, two parts each and they have seven episodes each. All right, so there'll be a break, and then they'll have it again. You know, a lot of a lot of shows do that nowadays. And could the Bachelorette series be losing its shine after 18 seasons? Well, the premiere of this season was the lowest ever ratings it's ever had, and uh, it had uh, under three million viewers. So it's not a whole lot, really, <laughs> for a TV show. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, I had the opportunity to sit down with Robert Picardo. He is, of course, the doctor from Star Trek Voyager. He's been on several different Star Treks and Star Trek movies. He has an Emmy nomination for his work as Coach Cutlip on The Wonder Years. And one of his first movies was The Howling. Well, on Tuesday, this Tuesday, October 26th, at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California, at 7.30, they're going to be having a special 4K showing of that film, The Howling. And Robert's going to be there. And it's going to be a lot of fun. He'll be answering questions, and there's just so much going on. Be sure, if you are in the San Francisco Bay Area, to check it out, because he's going to be there, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, coming up next, right here on On Screen to Beyond, it's Robert Picardo. 
Our guest today on On Screen and Beyond is an Emmy-nominated actor known for many roles with over 200 credits to his name. You may remember him as Richard Woolsey on Stargate Atlantis or Stargate SG-1, or as Dr. Richards from the China Beach Show, or as Coach Cutlip from the original Wonder Years. But he is probably most widely known for his role as the Doctor on Star Trek Voyager. On Tuesday, October 26, he will be making an appearance at the beautiful Lorinda Theater in Lorinda, California at 7.30 for a special showing of one of his very first films, the classic horror movie, The Howling. It's Robert Picardo. Robert, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you, Brian. Thank you very much for that kind introduction. I will say this. You and most other people uh, pronounce my character from Stargate as Richard Wolseley, yes, but he's I... actually, he's Richard Woolsey. Woolsey, yes. But <laughs> it's much easier. You pick the much harder and incorrect way. It's much easier to say it the correct way, but you know what? It's okay because you're you you're in very good company. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, my mind and and when I was uh, you know getting all my information together and writing this down, I kept saying for some reason my mind would go Woolsey, and then I'd say no, it's Woolsey. <laughs> I I believe there's a very famous uh, admiral in British history named Woolsey. I believe I don't know because mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know my British history, but maybe one of your listeners will will answer this and explain who Woolsey really was. But again, I am Richard Woolsey, and you got everybody else uh, right. Uh, uh, Dick, well, uh, uh, almost right. Uh, I think my character on Star Trek, uh, I'm sorry, on uh, China Beach was Dick Richard. Richard, singular. Yes. Richard, Richard, no, oh, no, Richard. Richard, Richard. So he literally had the first and lo- same uh, first and last name. I believe it, it was the name of a television director that was not very popular with our executive producers, so I think they just used his name. But don't, <laughs> don't, because the idea was that he's not just the dick, he's twice the dick. Right? <laughs> and uh, I, I actually, to tell you the truth, I, uh, many of my characters uh, are, are considered the guy you love to hate, meaning he makes an initial bad impression and then you grow to like him anyway, in mm-hmm. spite of himself. I would say certainly my character on China Beach, where I pinch all of the women uh, in their uh, on their derriere. And then finally, Chloe Webb knees me right in the cojones, um, which it, it, which uh, is great payback for someone who is so, you know, sexist, even back in the 60s, when I guess men thought they could get away with that. Now they would be brought up on charges as they should be. Mm-hmm. But my uh, but he was quite, as I said, he was twice the dick of your average uh, doctor in the late 60s. Um, and on Stargate, uh, uh, my character, uh, Dick Woolsey, also a tremendous dick when first introduced, although he got better. And uh, Coach Cutlip on the one years. Pretty much a dick. I, I actually based him on another dick, uh, Richard Nixon. My my concept <laughs> for the character of Mr. Cutlip was that he was Richard Nixon with an IQ of 60. Um, you know, he had all the paranoia of, of Nixon and none of the smarts to back it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, let's see, uh, who, else, who am I leaving out? Well, the doctor on Voyager was, you know, was pretty cranky early on. The whole concept of the character was that he was a willful piece of technology that didn't quite work the way he was supposed to work. He had these new emotional subroutines that were designed to give him empathy for his patients, but they they really served to give him empathy for his own situation more than yours. So he, most of his feelings were sort of aimed inward early on. But then he developed and grew into a very human-like um, 
and uh, and much nicer individual than when we first met him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was what made the role so much fun to play is that I got to develop from basically a blank slate into a into a fully formed human-like artificial intelligence. Yeah, you've you've done so many different roles. I mean, it's it's just it's incredible. And, and you know, those are just a few. I mean, you, we can go through your list here and, and look at everything. And I mean, you've got you've been about every TV show since you started acting. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I guess my first job was on Kojak with Telly Savalas yes. at the very end of the 70s when they moved uh, production from L.A. to New York, I think, at Telly's request. So that was my first um, television guest star. It was a two-part episode. I played kind of a bad kid whose father owned a restaurant that, that uh, Kojak liked to frequent. So as a favor to my character's father, uh, Kojak was trying to straighten out this bad kid who was getting himself in trouble. I remember I had a big scene where I had to yell at uh, Telly Savalas. And for your younger audience who may not know who Telly Savalas was, he was a very good character actor, one of the first actors to sport a completely shaved head, um, uh, along with Yul Brynner. Those were the two guys mm-hmm. that were men with shaved heads. It was very unusual in the in the 1940s and 50s and 60s to to sport that hairdo as a man. And uh, so Telly had the complete shaved head. And when I'm rehearsing the scene where my character has to really haul off and yell at him, a little tiny glob of spit flew out of my mouth and wafted across the room and landed right on top of Telly's head. Oh, geez. <laughs> and I didn't know what the protocol was when you get a little tiny bit of spittle, you know, on top of the of the star of the show. I didn't know whether to let it air dry or to buff it out or... <laughs> You know, I just, uh, I was there, I was transfixed staring at it. I think I forgot my lines in rehearsal for a second because I thought, you spit on the star of the show and this is your first job in television. This is the end of your career. But apparently, apparently it didn't work out that way because I managed to spit on Telly Savalas and still go on and have a a 40-some year career. So We, we better be bad. careful because, you know, any new actors might think this is the way to go, you know? Oh, yeah. No, no. I, I'm not recommending it, really. And, you know, since I have a largely shaved head, they might decide to spit on my head just to bring, just to bring you know, life full circle for me. Right. Uh, I'm not encouraging you to do that, by the way. But if you, you know what? If it happens by mistake, I won't be upset. Just like Kelly <laughs> pretended not to notice. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, Robert... I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Arinda Theater and your, the showing of The Howling, which is, mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen that movie for years, probably when it first came out. Um, mm-hmm. But it, The Howling was my first film. I was, I think, 27 years old. I was already a successful and reasonably accomplished theater actor at that point in my career. I'd made my, uh, I, uh, let's see, I uh, off-Broadway or off-off-Broadway, we used to call it, um, I was in David Mamet's first produced play in New York, Sexual Perversity in Chicago, at a at a, a, a theater in, in a church, um, St. Clement's Church. They did a lot of original theater there. So it's, it's kind of odd to think of a theater hosting a play in which every third word was, you know, uh, was a, a, a terrible, you know, expletive. But it did. Um, so I did that. And then by the time I was 23, I made my Broadway debut in a kind of a culture clash comedy, playing a poor kid from South Philadelphia who went to Harvard on scholarship. It was called Gemini. Danny Aiello played my father. 
And then while I was in that play, I auditioned to play Jack Lemmon's uh, son in his return to Broadway. Jack Lemmon was a huge star uh, at that time in the, uh, it was, this is the late 70s. He had not been on Broadway since before his movie career began. He was discovered in a revival of uh, of uh, room service and, uh, and, and went to Hollywood with a three-picture deal and became a movie star. So at age 54, he'd never been back to Broadway from when he was in his 20s. And I played his son in what was basically a father-son comedy drama called Tribute. And that brought me to Los Angeles. I did it out there as well. Meanwhile, Joe Dante, the director of The Howling, had seen me in the play with Jack Lemmon. And uh, my character was just this, you know, recent college graduate kid who was angry at his father, played by Jack Lemmon, who had been very irresponsible after he had divorced my mother and kind of hadn't been an absentee parent. So I'm very angry with him, and I kind of go off on him and yell at him. And the audience knows that uh, Jack Lemmon's character is dying of cancer and wants to try to reconcile with his son, but the son doesn't know that. So my character is very unpopular with the audience, the first act. But but the more I was combative with him, the more it paid off at the end when the son and the father have a reconciliation. It was quite emotional. The audience would cry. It was quite really a, a great role. It was the second lead to Mr. Lemon, an actor I had hugely admired, even at that time already in my early 20s. I loved uh, The Odd Couple, Some Like It Hot, um, and uh, The Apartment, and all of his great roles uh, with Billy Wilder and others. Um, so it was an honor to work with him. And uh, meanwhile, Joe Dante sees the, the uh, play, sees my emotionally explosive character yelling at Jack Lemmon at the end of the act, and he must have thought, well, that, that, that's my werewolf right there. <laughs> Who the heck knows? He called me into audition. I remember scaring the casting director um, with my voice and how I wouldn't let her look at me. I read from behind her, standing behind her, so she couldn't see my face. And I read in that creepy voice that Eddie speaks with in the movie. Like, he's, I think, getting aroused all the time. <laughs> but, um, anyway, so I, I read with a creepy voice. I was cast in the movie. And, uh, you know, I'd always been a, a, a big horror fan growing up with all the classic universal, you know, Lon Chaney Jr. werewolf movies and, the you know, the classic Frankenstein mm -hmm. films and Bride of Frankenstein. So I, I had no problem. I thought it was cool to be in a horror movie. I guess it's the it's an odd choice if you're playing a young, you know, if I if you're a young leading actor on Broadway, you, you know, I mean, maybe it would have been smarter for me to be in, a, in more of a leading man role than, than a psycho werewolf. But Joe Dante has proven to be a very good, loyal friend throughout my career. And, and I've worked for him a dozen times, mostly in features, sometimes television, sometimes cable movies. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, my wife and I had a, a, a drink with Joe and uh, and his partner, Elizabeth, uh, in the backyard at their house like four or five days ago. I was down in L.A. and we, we've been friends forever. So I sat with him and talked about the re-release of The Howling. The, uh, the Howling was made by a company called Avco Embassy that went out of business shortly after it came out. And then 
movie kind of kicked around with different owners. And Joe was afraid, you know, that there was only one decent film print of the movie left. This is what he was just telling me last week. And, and he heard that, uh, that um, this company, this French company, Studio Canal, um, had um, gotten the rights to the movie. They bought the rights in whatever acquisition they made, and they decided to do an incredible restoration, a 4K restoration of the movie. So it looks literally better than it's ever, ever looked. Wow. So I'm excited to see it. I'm really delighted that uh, the owner of the Arinda Theater, who I believe happens to be someone you know very well, mm-hmm. yeah. is going to be showing it uh, next Tuesday. I will be on stage. Um, I'm going to have a limited number of autographs, autograph pictures of Eddie Quist um, for VIP, uh, you know, uh, ticket purchasers. And it'll be great to see it on the big screen. The other delightful uh, coda to this story, as far as I'm concerned, is that my two adult daughters, who are age 32 and 30, respectively, one is about to turn 30 in a week, um, will be seeing for the first time ever on the big screen a movie that their father made when he was 27 years old, when he was a few years younger than they are now, they'll see it with their uh, boyfriends. They're both going, they both have dates to go see their father play this werewolf creep. Hmm. And I think that's, uh, I don't know. I think that's kind of sweet in a way that that they're going to do that. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, The movie really stands up. It's still scary. There's some good scares in it. There's some good humor it shows, you know, Joe Dante's unique kind of subversive sense of humor. It has a wonderful score by Pino Donaggio uh, that's very creepy. Patrick McNee, one of the most yes. charming actors of all time, has a major role in it. And then there's some other great character actors in it. Um, uh, Slim Pickens yes. uh, and John Carradine Sr. What an honor to have these people in the movie. And... And the great Dick Miller, who was, I think, Joe's favorite actor. I, I hope I come in second or third or fourth to Dick Miller. Hmm. Um, and Dick, uh, you know, who only passed away recently in the last two years, was in so many of Joe's movies as a delightful man and has never been funnier than he is uh, in The Howling. He's just great. So, um, And, of course, it, it stars Dee Wallace, who... Uh, was uh, uh, shortly after that was cast uh, as uh, the mother in E.T. So Dee's had a wonderful career, also a delightful, uh, talented actress, delightful human being. So I'm really glad, looking forward to seeing it again and uh, and to see it in such a gorgeous venue as the Arinda Theater, which was listed, I'm sure you know, as one of the 25 most beautiful movie theaters either in the country or in the world. I don't remember some amazing, you know, it's a, it's a gem of art deco design, even though it was built in the early forties, they were clearly, you know, echoing the, the the 1920s movie palaces. Uh, It's just a beautiful venue. And um, since I now live in the area, it, it'll be fun to, uh, to, you know, to have a werewolf sighting in my, in my own local community. Yeah. And and you mentioned the the cast, uh, a couple other people who were in the movie, which uh, I I like I say I haven't seen it for a long time and I never realized Kevin McCarthy was in there. 
Uh, oh, of course, yes. And I, I, it's my terrible omission, too, because I adored Kevin McCarthy, also yeah. wonderful actor, wonderful man. And I worked with him in a number of Joe's movies, uh, including um, Inner Space. You know, he's yes, yeah. a great, great actor and, 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 and person. And Kevin Toby, who I can remember from every old sci-fi movie back in the 60s, uh, 50s mm-hmm. and 60s with the, the Thing. And he was also in Whirly Bird, the TV show. I mean, I mean, the cast was incredible in that, that film. Right. And even Roger Corman uh, makes an appearance in it. Oh, really? You, you remember? Did you know that? Yeah, Roger oh. Corman is a guy making a payphone call when Dennis Dugan's character, another great guy and a very successful director now, Dennis Dugan's character is racing uh, in his sports car up to where all hell is just breaking loose in the werewolf community trying to save his girlfriend, not knowing she's already gone. Um, and he jumps out uh, in, in a... Uh, in a gas station and Roger Corman is on the payphone. That's, I, that's, I recall that it's the same scene as that. In any case, Roger Corman is a guy on a payphone somewhere in the movie. And I think it's in the gas station scene, but I'll find out something next look, Tuesday when yeah, I see it again. For, yeah. Yeah. So people should watch out for that. If they're in the area to be sure to go. I mean, it's an easy from San Francisco. It's an easy ride to get there and it's, it's right yeah. off. And it's, it's in 4k first time and it's only $10 a ticket. So if you yeah. figure you're getting 4K for $10, mm-hmm. what, uh, what's that? That's like $2.50 a K, right? <laughs> well, Robert, I, I, I know we're running out of time here, but I, I, I have to talk to you about Star Trek because, I mean, mm-hmm. let's, I mean let's face it, that's, <laughs> that's probably the role that if I didn't talk to you, I'd get letters and emails and, and everything else complaining, why didn't I talk to you about Star Trek? <laughs> but, <laughs> well, it is, it's good to have a signature role as an actor. And I suppose that um, I realized that when I was cast in Star Trek, I, I will tell you this that might amuse um, some of your listeners. If you, if you watch me on Star Trek and really loved my character, it may interest you to know that when I first got the part, I thought I got the dullest role in the show. I told all of my friends, I got the new Star Trek series. The good news is my children will grow up and go to college. The bad news is I have the worst part in the show. I play this computer-generated, you know, like robot doctor who's, who doesn't make any expressions and has no sense of humor. It's going to be a real bore. Uh, and then I was completely wrong because I didn't know enough about Star Trek to realize that I was the outsider character, at least until Jerry Ryan came aboard. My character, the doctor, was the artificial intelligence character who, like data in the next generation, yep. longs to be longs to understand humans and to be more like them and to be accepted by them. In the same way Spock was the exactly. the character set apart in the original series who was half Vulcan and half human and felt neither you know, didn't feel really part of either world and and, you know, so stood apart from it and and like uh wonderful Renee Abergenois character, um, Odo in Deep Space Nine. Those traditionally are the great roles mm-hmm. in a Star Trek cast, the outsider character. I was too stupid to realize that. I thought, you know, we've got a we've got a Vulcan character, Mr. Tuvok. He'll be the outsider, except Mr. Tuvok is a hundred percent Vulcan, so he didn't have that sort of war within him that Spock did. Right. So it wasn't as it wasn't as, you know, even though Tim is an extraordinary actor and projected great dignity in that role, he didn't get to 
he didn't get to cover the same turf that Spock did because he was full Vulcan yeah. and not, you know, and not two halves at war with each other. So I, uh, I, I, tur- I, I turned out to be completely wrong. I'm delighted I was completely wrong and that I had such a wonderful character and a wonderful journey uh, to, to experience myself and to take the audience on for seven years. You know, uh, the other thing is I when I first read the script, I thought I'd rather play this Neelix character because it looked like more fun in the pilot. And I I auditioned. I asked to audition for Neelix. I nearly was cast as Neelix. And I thank God I dodged that bullet because I, I would have wasted 6000 hours of my life sitting in a in a in a makeup chair. <laughs> and I don't think I could have done that. And I have nothing but love and respect for Ethan Phillips, the actor who got it, because we're we were old friends already at that time. I didn't know that he was he was the guy they were considering. And I asked to audition and I actually tested for that part first at my own request. And thank God hmm. I I didn't get it because that I, you know, I I would have opted out. of And, Neil, and interesting, the, uh, Ethan Phillips had read for the doctor as well. They read. 900 actors they told me for the doctor wow. 900 because they wanted someone funny and there were so few lines it was very hard to be funny in the audition you know it wasn't easy and my my children have helped me realize why i was cast i think in the show because my kids say that i have resting bitch face <laughs> which means when my face is at rest i look angry and unhappy and i think that helped get me the part Wow, <laughs> jeez, that's uh, that's that's incredible. Um, so it, it, you, I love my children, by the way, and they love me. And they think <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I don't, I don't want you to think they think of me as a bitch. Right? They re- we get we get along great, but they their point is that when I don't smile, when my face is just relaxed, it doesn't look neutral. Mm-hmm. My expression is not neutral; it looks unhappy slash angry. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, am I correct? I was looking at your website and I saw that uh, you're going on a cruise for a, a Star Trek cruise. Yes, we have. Um, uh, gosh, since the 50th anniversary of the original series, which would have been um, uh, 2018. Actually, the cruise was in the very beginning, 2019. It was in January of 2019. But uh, this company called Entertainment Cruise Partners have licensed uh, the right from uh, CBS, which owns, you know, the Star Trek franchise, the television franchise. Uh, and they have these amazing cruises with Shatner has been on at least two of them. Um, Kate Mulgrew, Jerry Ryan, up and down all from all the different series. So uh, mm. Walter Koenig, um, you know, George Takei, we've we've all been on uh, all or some of them. Uh, the fans love it. Uh, we all perform in lots of different things. I do a music show on the big stage. Um, I do, you know, improvisational comedy. It's really, it's really been a ball. And of course, it was canceled due to COVID last year. Um, strangely, the the cruise was right before the COVID pandemic. So, luckily, the cruise ended March first of the pandemic year, 2020. And uh, and we all sort of dodged a bullet because if it had been a week or two later, it would have been a very different story. The day we stepped off the cruise in 2020, Dr. Anthony Fauci was on Meet the Press. This is March 1st 
2020. And he said, if I were, uh, you know, I advise anybody 65 and older, don't get on a cruise ship. And I was uh, 65 and I just stepped off the cruise ship as he was speaking. Wow. <laughs> but it, but um, because of some wonderful advice we got from um, a doctor friend of mine, uh, we did not um, shake hands. Um, we did not, uh, you know, all we did were Vulcan salutes mm-hmm. and elbow bumps. And I think that went a long way to help because uh, people, you know, a cruise ship is a bit of a Petri dish, you know, right. and and, uh, and it's easy uh, if somebody uh, gets an infection to pass easily. So um, I'm sure in future Star Trek cruises, probably uh, at the indoor events on the cruise, meaning when you're not on the deck, there'll be masking. I certainly hope there is, even though this will be next spring um all of the people uh if you want to go on the cruise you have to prove that you're vaccinated and um and they'll also uh test people regularly i mean i i've heard i know of another cruise line um it's much smaller river cruise and you're tested at the dock to get on the ship you have to be fully vaccinated you have to be tested to get on and then you're tested a little i guess saliva test every day because that's the only way Everybody wants to protect themselves and others. I mean, everyone, if you believe, if you watch Star Trek, if you believe in science, then you want to use um, what science teaches us and and helps us learn to protect our loved ones and to protect each other. So I'm a big proponent of vaccination, and I encourage anyone listening who hasn't been vaccinated— If you love science fiction, you really love science. And if you love science, then accept the gift science has offered you to protect your family, to protect yourself, and get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Well, Robert, I want to finish up with one final question. But Mm -hmm. uh, I I just want to remind everybody that uh, on Tuesday, October 26th, at the Orinda Theater in Orinda, California, at 7.30, there will be a special showing of The Howling, and you will be there, so it's it's going to be a great time, and I hope everybody shows up for that. And um, But for the final question, mm-hmm. taking away from every show, I mean, we, I could have talked to you for an hour or two hours <laughs> because there's so many things we could go over, but taking us away from all the shows you've been on, when you sit back and relax, what are your favorite TV shows now and of the past, and what are your favorite movies now and of the past? Wow. Well, that's a big question. I don't know. We can only scratch the surface. Right now, along with most of uh, my fellow Americans, I'm really enjoying Ted Lasso. Yes. Um, I enjoy Hacks on HBO. I've always loved Jean Smart. I think she's a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, I'm a voting member of the Motion Picture Academy, so I have to see a lot of movies starting now. Um, you know, uh, for that, a lot of new, new uh, movies. Um, and uh, but of my of classic movies, it's hard to say. There's certain movies that if I walk by a television and they're on, I'll just sit down and watch it, no matter where it starts. I'm a huge fan of both Godfather One and Two. I think they're great. Um, a lot of people bring I that love, one up. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and even Godfather Three, I'm I know it's I think it's going to be re-released, and I'm anxious to see it again. It's been a long time since I've seen it, and I've never seen where Coppola himself uh, re-edited all three of them and mixed them together more chronologically. And I would love to see that. I never saw it when it was done. I believe for one of the major cable outlets like HBO. 
And I don't know that it was ever, um, I don't know if it, if it can be seen or it can't be streamed now. Perhaps you could have bought it on DVD. I'd love to see that. Um, I love uh, Alien, the first Alien, uh, Ridley Scott. I like a lot of Ridley Scott's movies, frankly. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what Spielberg and Tony Kushner have done with West Side Story. Yeah. There's a lot of movies coming out coming up that I'm anxious to see. Uh, James Cameron, of course, has more than one avatar uh, in the can. Uh, one completed, I believe, one, com- one completed sequel. And then he shot all of the, uh, uh, the live action stuff for the second and third sequels to the original. Um, and I'm anxious to see those. I think he's, a, you know, a, a, an amazing filmmaker as well. And gosh, if I going back in my life, you know, when I was a kid, when the Beatles made a hard day's night, the Richard Lester movie, I love that movie. I'll watch it right now. If you have it. Um, I think that's just so much fun. So their exuberance, their incredible uh, personalities are so well captured in that movie. And if your audience hasn't seen it, it's like watching, you know, one of the first, you know, music videos. Right. Except yeah. it's it's a movie. Yeah, I'm anxious to um, see the Get Back one coming up. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, and and another. Uh, First-time director Robert Redford, when he directed Ordinary People, I had loved the novel, and I thought he made a terrific movie out of that. I find that very moving, uh, so I recommend that. Um, but then there's just too much other stuff to to yeah. remember, and I even like a few movies that I'm in. I'm very <laughs> proud of. Uh, I love the uh, Joe Dante's movie Inner Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love a lot of. Uh, Joe's movies, but I'm particularly proud of that one. And as I said, I'll look forward to seeing The Howling at 4K in the Orinda Theater on Tuesday at 7.30 of next week. Tuesday, the isn't that the 26th? 26th, yes. 26th, the day before my birthday. So I'll be, ah. pull, I'll be watching myself pull a bullet out of my brain <laughs> right before my birthday. How about that? What could be a sweeter moment for any man right. or woman? <laughs> well, happy birthday, early happy birthday, Robert. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Brian. It's been fun. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Robert. All right. Thanks. And see you guys Tuesday at Orinda. A big thank you going out to Robert Picardo for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, it's, it's a funny thing. Uh, normally, we communicate with people through email and everything and get these guests on. And uh, one day, uh, just a couple of days ago, I'm sitting at home and, uh, you know, just to not doing anything really and the phone rings and uh, I look at my phone and it's like uh, okay you know <laughs> is my car warranty out again <laughs> or something like that you know so I wasn't going to answer it then I said well I better answer it you know and uh, voice says hello this is Robert Picardo it's just <laughs> it's like oh Robert okay <laughs> and you know it just surprised me so uh, but it was great having Robert here we appreciated that he took the time to join us here and really if you are in the San Francisco Bay area uh, you can hop on the bar get right to the Renda Theater on Tuesday night at 7:30 it's a perfect way to get in the mood for ha- Halloween and everything and uh, it's uh, you know they're gonna have a special showing it's going to be a great film and it's also your chance to, uh, you know, ask him some questions. He's going to be there. So uh, check it out. And uh, it's just, um, 
just something that you want to get into for this time of year, and it's a lot of fun, and you get to meet Robert Picardo also. So what what could you do better than that? Well, that's it. Uh, We've got uh, more guests coming your way here at On Screen and Beyond. We thank you so much for listening each week, and uh, I want to... uh, Make sure that if you want to give me a suggestion or just a chat or something, you can send me an email at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Or you can check us out on Instagram. On Instagram, we are at onscreenandbeyondpodcast. And on Twitter, we are at onscreen, the letter N, beyond. All right? And uh, we can... uh, Check us out that way, and if you are out there and you are, you know, you can follow us or whatever they do on each individual thing that you're checking in on us with, or uh, you can also, uh, on, of course, Apple, you can leave a review. We'd appreciate that very much because that always helps get the numbers up, and the more people that are listening, the more guests we can get, and uh, it's just a vicious circle, but uh, downloads, that's the big thing. Got to get more people and uh, all over the world, I want to thank you all for listening to On Screen and Beyond. Hope you're enjoying it. Love your emails and uh, appreciate all the uh, good words that you've had. And uh, thank you so much. So that's it. That's a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care. Mm-hmm.